Thank you, Jeannie. It's good to be here. For those of you guys who don't know, I'm Logan. I'll be preaching today. And so uh, for those of you who haven't been with us, we've been doing um, a little series that we've been calling uh, Religion Versus Relationship. And so we've been looking at the different ways in which we need to move out of our religious habits or traditions and more into a relationship with God. Um, but before I get into today's lesson, I'd like to just pray for us real quick, and then we'll go into the scripture. So God, I just want to thank you so much for this time that I get to come here and get to preach a bit, Lord. I ask that you please be in this sermon, that you would allow your word to be uh, spoken and to be heard today, God, that we would just really absorb it, that you would just say what needs to be said, and that we would hear what we need to hear, Lord. So it's in your name that I pray. Amen. All right, so uh, today we're going to look at a little story here. Uh, it's going to be Luke chapter 10, uh, and we're going to be down in verse 38. And for those of you who are wanting that again, that's Luke 10, verse 38. Um, and so I wanted to look at a little story here. and It's a rather short story. It's probably one that we read and we just kind of keep going. Um, because the point seems kind of simple, but I think there's a lot to gather from it. So in Luke 10, verse 38, I'll go ahead and read it. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Martha has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from you. And so... I want to look at this story, and I want us to actually imagine the situation for a second. I want you to imagine that Jesus is coming home to dinner tonight. I want you to think about all the things you'd want to take care of before you had the Lord and Lord, the King of Kings, in your home. I want you to think about the room you'd want to clean up. I want you to think about the meal you'd want to prepare. I want you to think about the clothes you would wear. There's a lot of preparation that I imagine goes into hosting Jesus at your house. And so naturally, Martha kind of gets into this little uh, habit that I imagine we all would get into. Of we want to make sure that everything is right and looks good and is prepared in such a way that is pleasing to God. And in that, she also has a very human response. Martha is trying to do everything she can to make this situation as good as possible. She's trying to make the most of this opportunity. And so she's running around, she's cleaning, she's doing the dishes, she's preparing the meal. And she looks over at her sister who's not helping. And so she does the very sibling thing to do. She's like, I'm going to go tell mom and dad. So she goes up to Jesus. And she's like, Jesus, why don't you tell Mary to help me out? I've been doing everything. I think she needs to help lift a finger. She's just been kind of sitting down all day. And she's ready to hear that Jesus said, yeah, Mary, you should go help your sister. That's kind of rude that you're sitting here. But instead, Jesus says, you're worried about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better. It will not be taken away from. So it's a kind of interesting concept here is that we have all this preparation going on and Martha's doing things. In fact, she's doing good things. And in fact, she's doing good things for Jesus. But what Jesus tells her is that none of that is necessary. It's a weird concept. He says, in fact, only one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen. And so it's an easy concept to overlook. And it's something that we can misunderstand is that Jesus does not want us to be in the religion of doing, but in the relationship of being. 
I'll say that again. He wants us not to be in the religion of doing, not in the religion of doing good things for him, but in the relationship of being with him. Because what's interesting is Martha was so busy trying to make the situation as good as possible that she missed the whole opportunity of the situation. She was so busy trying to do for Jesus that she forgot to be with it's such an easy concept that we get into is we get so busy trying to do and accomplish things for our life and for Jesus that we forget to actually sit and have a relationship with him. And it's interesting that he says that only one thing is needed. And the first thing that kind of caught me off guard is I was thinking about this thing of being with Jesus, right? And I was like, well, maybe this is kind of like, it doesn't seem to show up in other places. I didn't really see it. We get all these commands in the Bible, but seems like a concept that's so overlooked but as you look a little deeper and you kind of go to the scriptures that sometimes we can just brush right past you can actually see a lot more of the heart and there's nowhere you can see it better than in Jesus's own ministry and so if you turn to Luke chapter 5 and in verse 15 you'll see that Jesus here uh, does something really amazing it says in verse 15 Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to the lonely places and prayed. Now, this is a very powerful thing just scrammed in here in these two little verses. I want you to understand here that Jesus has a crowd of people coming up to him, a crowd ready to be healed, a crowd ready to hear more about the word, a crowd ready to become disciples. And Jesus withdraws from the opportunity. In fact, it says he did so often. He didn't take the more productive option. If you're thinking of ministry, if you're thinking of opportunity, if we had thousands of people to show up, we'd be like, oh, this is an awesome time to preach the word. This is an awesome time to do amazing miracles. This is where we need to be. This is the ministry. But it says he withdrew from that. He left opportunities on the table. There was people there that he could have healed that he didn't. There was people there that he could have had an interaction with, but he chose not to. In fact, he left those opportunities sitting there on the other side of the lake sometimes. But he withdrew to lonely places to pray. And so we can actually see Jesus choosing the one thing that was necessary, the one thing that was better. And he would not allow it to be taken away for the sake of opportunity, for the sake of productivity, and for the sake of doing. Jesus took the time himself to make sure that he had a proper relationship with God. And he mirrored that and showed that to us that that is what is important. That is the one thing that is needed. So easy can we get consumed with the things that are necessarily good to do and productive to do that we miss the things that we ought to do. I don't know if you've ever been in a relationship with somebody where you wanted to spend time with them, but they never had the time for you. And it might've been reasonable. It might've been, hey, you know, they were busy with work. They were busy with school. They have a, a marriage to take care of or kids to, to, you know, watch and do stuff with, but they never took the time to actually spend time with you. Even if you had a really strong relationship before, when people stop spending time with us, we become embittered. We become unloving. And we become forgetful. We start to not value that relationship. And so Jesus, even having probably the closest relationship with God imaginable, stopped 
and took the time to be before he did. And it's cool because you can actually see that mirrored as he did for his own disciples. You can see the way he trained them. In Mark 3, 14, it says, he appointed the 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. And so we can see that Jesus has an inward, outward ministry. He starts first with himself. He starts with making sure to take the time to be with God. And when he gets his disciples, he does the same thing. Before he sends them out, before he has them write gospels, before he has them do amazing miracles, he has them first be with him. To have a relationship with him, to walk with him, to be one with him. And then comes the sending out to preach. Now, what's really cool is within the Bible, there's a hidden Bible that we never get to read. Within the Bible, there's a, a little verse that says there are many more miracles that he did that are not written here. There's some untold stories. And I imagine a lot of those stories happen to be the 12 disciples just living life with Jesus. I imagine all the little ministry moments he had with them. I imagine traveling with them on the road and hearing all these amazing stories that he would tell. All these things that don't make it in the Bible because they're not necessary for our faith, but they were impactful for theirs. Because they took the time to spend time with Jesus. And what's cool is you can see the impact of that in their own ministry. If you look in Acts chapter 6, in verse 2, even after the disciples had just baptized 3,000 people and the church is just growing, there's all these amazing ministry things to do. You look in Acts 6, verse 2, it says, So the 12 disciples gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn the responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. So even while all these amazing things were happening in the church, the 12 disciples remembered the teachings of Jesus and they delegated responsibilities so that they could make sure to first be in prayer and then to devote themselves to the ministry of the word. To not be bogged down by the doings of church or the world so that they would forget the being with Jesus. You know, it's interesting. Um, recently, our church just finished a 40-day prayer book or journal challenge, whatever you want to call it. And it's filled with all these amazing stories, amazing stories of people who prayed amazing prayers and accomplished amazing things in their own life and in other people's lives. And I remember reading this book, and I remember sitting here, every story, I'm like, wow, that's so amazing. I can't believe that happened in somebody's life. That's so encouraging. That's so amazing to see. But with every little bit of encouragement, there was a little ounce of discouragement I had with each story. Is the, the feeling I felt is, well, why am I not part of those stories? Why don't I see miracles like that? Why am I not part of that powerful prayer? And, you know, I didn't have that, like, feeling of sadness because my prayers weren't being answered. I don't really care if God did something amazing with a prayer I prayed. That's a whole other story. But I want to be part of the person who gets to be part of somebody else's prayer. My verse that always sat on the back of my mind as a disciple is um, Isaiah 6, 8, where it says, here I am, send me. I always wanted God to send me to do something, to be a part of somebody's life, to have impact. That's what I want. And now, so as I read all these stories of amazing impact, I was like, well, why am I not being a part of it? And it's in the back end, and this Monday I was sitting in the jacuzzi contemplating life as we all do. Uh, 
And so I was sitting there and I was a little disheartened with some of the stuff going on in my own life. And so I was like feeling the feels and I wanted to get kind of in a down mood. So I got out of the jacuzzi. I was going to go take a shower. And I, normally I play my own music and I kind of just uh, vibe with whatever I feel like doing at the moment. But whatever reason, I felt called to put on worship music instead. For those of you who don't know me, I'm a terrible singer. So I'm not a big fan of worship music because I don't like to have to sing along. But God called me to that. So I was like, all right, I guess I'm putting on worship music. So I voice crackingly sang a couple songs. As I was singing there, I was like, you know what? I should praise God. I feel sad about certain things, but you know what? I should praise him. So I sat there and I was like, you know what? I'm going to pray to God and praise him for all the things I take for granted. And as I was sitting there, a brother's name came into my mind. And I felt uh, a little sad because God was calling me to pray for this guy, but I didn't even know what to pray for him for because I had not talked to him in over three months. And so I was like, why is this guy coming to my mind? Why am I being called to pray for him? But you know what? Whatever. I'm going to pray for him. So I prayed, God, I have no idea what this guy's going through. All I know is that you put him on my heart. So Lord, I asked him to help him with the situation that he's in. So after I got out of that situation, I felt compelled to let him know that I prayed for him. And so uh, God put on my heart to send him a text. And so I sent him a text. I was like, hey, man, I don't really know why, but God put it on my heart to pray for you. I just want to let you know that I love you. I'm thinking about you. And more importantly, God loves you. So I put my phone aside. I went to go watch the show with my sister. And a couple minutes later, I get a text in all caps that says, whoa. I'm like, hmm. And then there's this book of a, uh, of a text. And the brother shared with me, he's like, hey, man, I was actually having a really hard day yesterday. I was feeling incredibly discouraged. And so I prayed a prayer to God that he would have somebody reach out to me and show me that he loves me. Because I feel like I'm always in other people's lives trying to tell them how much God loves them, but I don't feel the love myself. He's like, I just wanted somebody to do for me what I always do for everyone else. And I was like, holy crap. God just sent him a text saying, I love you. How crazy is that? That we can pray to our God and he says, you know what? I'm going to let you know that I love you in less than 24 hours. And so that made my day because I finally got to be sent to someone. I'm really so encouraged to hear that. And I still pray for that brother and uh, hope his situation gets better. But how amazing of a God is that? But that opportunity, that amazing thing that gotta be, I got to be a part of, that he got to be a part of, wouldn't have happened if I hadn't taken the time to actually be with God. Amen. I've grown a lot in the ministry. I've done a lot of tasks. I've been the guy from passing out communion to the guy preaching on Sunday. I've done a lot of ministry things. And you know what I've learned is you can put all the preparation you want into it. You can say all the right things. You can look up all the right verses. You can create an eloquent lesson. But at the end of the day, the mountains that are moved are when you allow the spirit to just move through. And in order to do that, we have to sit at Jesus' feet first. We have to choose what is better and not allow it to be taken from us. Because that's where we have impact. I've preached a lot of lessons, but I know the hearts I've changed have been in the conversations I didn't want to have. Those moments where I was like, I don't know what's going on here, but I know God's telling me to do this. And it requires first being with God. And so I want to turn to this uh, one scripture that I think is unjustly overlooked. And it's in John chapter 17. And it's a prayer from Jesus. And I think the injustice of it is that we tend to memorize the Lord's prayer. You know, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, so on and so forth. We memorize that prayer. But we don't memorize this one, and I'm so disheartened to see that we don't. Because in John chapter 17, 
verse 20, this is Jesus praying. And he says, my prayer is not for them alone, meaning the 12. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message, meaning us. A prayer just for you from Jesus and himself. That they all may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given them the glory that you have gave me, that they may be the one as we are one. I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. A prayer that Jesus prayed just for you. His prayer was not that you would accomplish amazing things. His prayer was not that you would do all these amazing miracles for him. His prayer was not that you'd build the greatest church. But his prayer was that you would remain in oneness in the same way he remains in oneness with God. What an amazing prayer. How is it that we so easily forget this? Is that prayer that he had just for you was that you would be in unity with him and his father the way they are in unity with each other. The way in which they withdrew from even spiritual opportunities so that they could be in a relationship with each other. What an amazing prayer. So unjustly overlooked. Because that's the calling of God. He doesn't want us to be in the religion of doing things for him, but to sit in relationship with him, to sit at his feet, to choose what was better and to not allow it to be taken away. And the coolest part of this prayer is the tagline. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. That everything you would ever have to do for ministry would just boggle down to just, are you in relationship with God? Are you sitting at his feet? That's all he required. That's the one thing that was necessary. I guarantee you that if Martha had not done all the preparations, that if she had just set it all aside and said, you know what, I'm going to sit at the feet with my sister, I have no doubt in my mind that Jesus would have taken care of her. In fact, we see that when nobody brought food, he made 5,000 people full. God can take care of the logistics, but it requires sitting at the feet first. To not let ourselves get caught in this Americanized tradition of trying to maximize our time and our productivity, but instead choose what is better. So I want you to think today, through all the things you have done with this week, good or bad, the things you've spent your time on, the things you've accomplished, the amount of time you went to work, the amount of time you spent with your family, the amount of time you worked on chores at your house, all the productive things you did. And I want you to think about how often you actually sat at Jesus' feet and spent time with him. How much of a priority did you make that? Are you withdrawing from the things that necessarily seem good, seem productive, to spend time with our Lord? Because that's the one thing that is necessary. We don't want to find ourselves like Martha, caught up in all the things that grasp at our attention. You have an amazing opportunity to have a relationship with God. Don't let yourself miss that in the air of productivity, in the air of accomplishing something for him. Instead, 
be with me. So when we're looking at religion and relationship, get out of the being and into, I mean, out of the doing and into the being. So when you take communion today, I want you to be with Christ. Not to do for him. Not to try to be productive. Not to try to be perfect. But to simply be with him. In whatever form that takes. Because that's where you hear the calling of the Spirit. That's where you can see amazing things happen. That's where the ministry of God is. It's simply sitting at his feet. So I'm going to pray for us and then we'll take communion together. God, I just want to thank you so much, Lord, that the only requirement you have of us is that we would simply seek you out in relationship, God. We can live our lives so easily consumed by all these things that we want to accomplish, all these things that are amazing, all these things we want to do for you. But God, let us not forget that you just simply want us to be with you. God, it's the easiest distinction to forget, Lord. It's the easiest thing to overlook but it is amazing to see that even you passed up on productive opportunities to make sure you had a productive relationship, God. So I ask that as we go through life and there's so many good things to do, let us not forget to be with you first, Lord, and that we would sit at your feet and choose what is better and not allow it to be taken from us, God. I thank you so much for your love. I thank you so much for your caringness. I thank you so much for your sacrifice, God. It's in your name I pray, amen.